Welcome to Shoalhaven Youth Local, a show where we focus on everything local in Shoalhaven. From current events and community groups, to local history and the best places to be, and even our favourite local personalities. We've got you covered. So if you ever wanted to know son, where to go or where to volunteer even, from a youth perspective, then listen in. You might be surprised by what's just outside your front door. So just before we get on to our hot topic for the week, we have a new member of the group. So we'd like to introduce you to Jamaica. Hi. <laughs> it's cool to have you on board. It's nice to have another girl in the group. Because, um, I mean, we already got to hang out with Billy and Harley, so it's nice to have another girl. So what sort of things are you into, Jamaica? Um, I'm very into sport. Love AFL, I play AFL. Love watching NRL and AFL. Love just love sport in general. Yeah. So, have you ever been in a submarine? No, I have not. I can't stand submarines. They scare me so much. I just could not imagine going down under the water and not being able to see. Sounds horrible. So, how about we get into our hot topic for this week? Welcome to your daily dose of local and national happenings. And what's making waves out there with today's... Hot Topic. Something went down with a submarine recently. Um, yes, there was a lot of memes about it, but um, just a heads up, we are going to be talking about um, sad passing of some the crew involved. Um, so as many people know in the news, there was a submarine that went looking for the Titanic wreckage and let's just say the submarine wasn't exactly made to standards. And um, Is that true? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Oh. It, they yeah. didn't register with any, like, international... Um, government stuff or anything to do with the Arctic exploring and and charge $250,000. Yeah. All right. It's kind of sad because yeah. everybody involved perished and I know that there was um two people from my work were actually talking about how that there was a teenager on board who was hoping on hoping to solve a Rubik's cube underwater and that he was really excited because he wanted to get the Guinness World Record for it. And um he was among, I think there was some, there was a few explorers. Yeah, there were billionaires who had oh, sponsored the whole thing and paid for it. And uh, apparently there was a waiver that they signed, which, so they knew that this could happen. And, I mean, I'm just glad that it was quick because apparently it was in within minutes of going Seconds. to the... Within, like, milliseconds, like, just... It was really quick. Like as soon as they went down to a certain depth, it just exploded and or imploded. I think. Yeah, so imploded definitely. I'm glad that it was over fast and that it was it wasn't painful for them. Well, I didn't know but, that. Yeah, apparently, they wouldn't even have time to register. Like they wouldn't know what was happening. Yeah. Better than being stuck but down there, like, kind of being like wondering well, what's going to happen. The yeah. navy apparently had heard, or someone had heard, um, what could have possibly been the implosion happening. But then, like, 
What on earth could have those 30-minute interval um, noises been? Because... Can you explain that a bit more? Well, so apparently while they were still looking, well, they thought that everybody was still alive, then um, there was one of the search parties said that they'd heard uh, banging um, every 30 minutes um, on one of the days. That could have been a Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. But I think that must have been a bit of a hoax because, I mean, if if it had imploded um, within milliseconds of the dive, then how on earth yeah, would the 30-minute interval would happen happened? instantly. Could have been anything, though, banging. Seriously, yeah. like who's been snorkelling? You're yes. always hearing know, like, yeah, like, it's like cracks and yeah. crackles. And, and Yeah, I thought it could have been an animal. Yeah, which it could have be been. Loch Ness. Loch Ness is in Scotland. Well, <laughs> that's a long might, way away. Might swim, if swim. anything, it yeah. could have been orcas or um, Loch Ness giant can go on holiday or some animal that we haven't discovered yet. A sea serpent. I'm a bit confused. Could you elaborate on that? So you're saying that the submarine dived underwater and with so milliseconds of it being underwater, it just imploded. Yeah, so no, they um, were nailed in or screwed in. So there's no way they could have escaped. Within, they um, went into the, like, they were launched off the ship, they went down and within, they reached a certain depth and then within milliseconds of reaching that depth, they imploded. Because of the lack of And everybody sadly passed. Um, pressure of the water yeah. Oh, yeah. on the, the water ship. Pressure. When the they ship. got too far down for the yeah. actual the ship. The ship was the... not made to yeah. the standard that it was safe for them to go to that depth. Yeah. Okay, so when they got to the depth, you made it sound like they just kind of went into the water and then... No, so and then like they went to a certain depth. They went I mean, otherwise down they've and then not had all that then rescue. Yeah, down and, like, and then any imperfection on the actual submarine itself yeah. could have caused the th- um the submarine to yeah. implode. So I think from what I can remember, the navy or search party who said that they'd thought that they'd heard the implosion that had actually been right around the time that they lost contact with the ship. So um, I mean the submarine. So. I think we can pretty much tell that was when yeah. um, the implosion happened. And, I mean, uh, I mean, we've all got our thoughts on the billionaires and stuff doing it. But, I mean, they signed the waiver. They knew what they were signing up for. Um, and they knew that there was risks. They knew that it wasn't made to a certain, uh, certain standard. Would, would they have? Would you... I don't know. Would you go in a submarine? No. Never. No, no way. Never. I can't stand never, never, it. Never. Even just 50 metres. I mean, no, like, no. If, I, if I Just knew being that it in that confined like, space underwater, exactly. yes, not I'm knowing to make where up. you're going, it just, ugh. Makes you wonder, I think, in, you know, I don't know whether it was I mean, World War Two, yeah. the first submarines. Sounds horrible. What, what those Navy guys and submariners, you know, they yeah, were just like, they were all right, brave. you're going in a submarine today. Like, <sighs> What they oh. felt like, yeah. and I don't even like. I think they've got a sort of. I think they have a submarine sort of set at the Australian War Memorial. I don't even like going on into that. It's just oh. And but it would, yeah, I reckon it would be different. Like if you could, if it had glass and like you could see around no, you. No, you know. So I've been up to the Great Barrier Reef, and there's, I don't know what it's called, what it's called, but they've got this like floating 
um, I don't know what ship thing where all the boats that go out to the Great Barrier Reef go to and they had this underwater viewing platform. Yeah, that would be cool. With the glass. And I mean, the only reason I like that viewing platform is because I know that I could just walk up the stairs and I'm back into the fresh air. <laughs> but even still, speaking like, of fresh air, I mean, it's cool to look, but it's still like, oh, I would not want to be trapped underwater. Oh, so, so our lovely guest Georgia has just raised some points. So apparently, they were controlling the submarine with a gaming controller, and that was all. Like, doesn't it wouldn't inspire oh confidence? My gosh. Apparently, they didn't expect it to be down there eleven hours. I mean, what the heck? I would not even want to sign up for that. That's like no. a whole no. day underwater. Yeah, that's a whole day underwater. That's so so. Which creepy. means that you've got to take being care controlled of, by a controller, and you've got to take care of bodily functions in that time. Oh, I don't yeah, even think no. about that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Just into the water it goes. Oh, anyway, no. <laughs> Imagine if you had claustrophobia as well. <laughs> or bad gas. You, prob- you probably wouldn't do it if you had claustrophobia. Or diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> very true. I know it's not supposed to be a laughing matter, but still. And that's our hot topic. Do you scroll through the streaming services not knowing what to watch? Welcome to the nerdy sci-fi movie, guys. Two nerds with a plan. To make sure that you watch the greatest films of all time. Basically, Marvel or Star Wars. Well, could there be others, potentially? Nope. Okay, Okay, let's let's roll. roll. Hey, it's us, Billy and Holly, and today we are reviewing Into the Spider-Verse. Holly, what did you think of the characters and villains? Um, well, I thought that they were really good. I... I liked Miles and how he was, like, learning how to be a Spider-Man and stuff like that and learning the responsibilities and all that. I thought the scene with, like, the Prowler when he, like, found out. I think the Prowler is really good. He's, like, he's very ominous and then it's, like, kind of really scary when you find out that it's, like, his uncle. And then when he dies, it's really sad. And, yeah, I I liked Kingpin. I thought he... I thought he looked really funny because he's like a square with a head. And it's like, <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's just built different. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was a really good villain. Like, Can I, I don't know, like his motivations about like his family and how he feels like it's Spider-Man's fault, even though it was his fault because he was beating him up. No, but um, so, yeah, I really like the characters in the movie. For me, I also agree. I think Miles is so likeable, like with a lot of charisma. I think that Gwen was a really good and interesting character. I thought Peter B. Parker, he's probably like top ten Spider-Man of all time. Um, I thought like Spider-Ham, Noir and Penny Parker were really funny. Kingpin was a really great villain. I thought he looked really menacing with his design, like how ginormous he was. <laughs> Can I just quickly jump design. in on Kingpin? What? I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Marvel villain Egghead, but um, like the him, but guy that looks like a him. big baby and just sits in that chair and just like moves around. I feel like Kingpin looks a lot like him. I think they must have been um, created by the same illustrator because, I mean, it just gives us the same vibes. Yeah. And um, I just thought he looked really funny. It was like a was big rectangle. Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal did an interview and um, they were talking about 
Oscar's involvement um, in the movie. And apparently Pedro just sat through the entire movie and was just like, where's Oscar? And it was just like interesting person number one, Oscar Isaac. And then that later becomes, um, I think in the second movie, is it? Spider-Man 2099. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so now, what did you think of the storyline? For me, I thought it was pretty damn great. Well, I I thought it was really good as well. I liked like the lessons and the arcs that everyone went through. Agreed. I feel like it was like really cool with like um, I don't know. I just I just thought it was really cool, like the whole plot and how like the Prowler is involved and how he's, like, surprised that there can be two Spider-Men and how he's, like, a Spider-Man now and how he's kind of in denial for a little bit. I liked that bit. That was funny. Can I quickly just add in, like, there's so many different, like, with the um, animation and stuff, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, all the different Spider-Man characters look so different and it's, like, all the different styles. Like, there's the anime versions, there's... Um, the animals and stuff like they're all drawn by the different illustrators. Yeah, they're looks, different and unique. Yeah, it looks so cool because it's just bringing everybody together. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so That's the stupid. animation is some of the best I've seen in a film. It looks like it was ripped straight from a comic book. It was so visually appealing to look at. Yeah, I liked all like the little words that popped up and like the text box and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like like when he throws the bagel and it says bagel on his head. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, Miles, throw the bagel and he just throws it and it just says bagel on his head. Um but yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I feel like um like with Spider-Man Noir, that was really cool how he was like in black and white. But yeah. I feel like what would have been like really cool to add is if they made Spider-Ham, who's meant to be like a goofy cartoon. I feel like he should have been like 2D animated instead of 3D. I feel like that would have been a lot better. Yeah. Because it would have looked like really stand out with among the other ones if he was 2D animated. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, Penny Parker will make a lot of anime fans happy. <laughs> uh, anyway, and I'm um, like, I, I also like the animation in Gwen's universe, even though we only see it for a little bit. Like, it looks so different and unique. And in, it really sets up how amazing it looks in the new uh, second one. Anyway, overall, how many rubber chickens will you give this movie and why? All right, well, I feel like it's, like, a 7.5 out of 10. I I feel like it is a really good movie. People, I, I've heard a lot of people saying really good things about the movie, and most of the things I agree with, but I'm just kind of confused at how much people like it. Like, people are holding it up like it's the best film ever. I don't know. I don't really have any problems with it that I can, like, specifically name. But it just didn't feel like a um, like best movie ever kind of movie. I mean, it was um, really enjoyable. I, I surprisingly disagree. I think that this film is properly rated and it could potentially be my favorite movie of all time. It's definitely up there in my top tens. I give it a 10 out of 10. I would give it above if I could. What's the oh, um, Rotten Tomatoes rating for it? Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's like above like 80 or 90. Uh, Even though can I, usually I disagree just with critics. point out, I think this is the first time that you two have agreed on anything. I think he said disagree, actually. But, he like, we, he, our lovely producer, Gemma, there, just jumping in and joining the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, 
it's yeah, I'm happy that we agree on this one because like I said, it could potentially be my favorite film of all time. I just love like everything about it. Uh like I get chills when, whenever the uh Whoops Up Danger scene comes up. <laughs> like I just get chills down my spine. Yeah, it's cool. All right, guys, so that is going to be it for today's podcast. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it and had a great time listening to uh, us talk. Bye, ciao! I'm Victoria, and this is this week's Blast from the Past, all things local history. This segment has been proudly supported by the Brains Trust of local historian Kathy Dunn. So on this week's Blast from the Past... I'm going to be talking about the effects on effects of the war on a family that was in Milton. So the daughter of Emma Cambridge uh, married a German. So her name was Jane, and she married Carl Christian Ernest Coichen. He was born in Germany and arrived in New South Wales in 1879. He married Jane in 1886, and they went on to have four children. And sadly, only two of them did survive to adulthood, one of whom was Arthur. He was the second son, and he served in World War I. And that is an important point because it affects his mum. So Carl died. Um, I think Arthur was around 20, perhaps, when this happened. And then... While uh, while Arthur was off fighting, Jane received a notice that she, because she was married to a German, she was not allowed to access her money and that she'd practically become ostracised and thought of as an alien. And Jane had been born in Milton. She'd lived there her entire life. But because of her husband's background... Jane's whole life was just flipped upside down. The government considered her to be a German, which I'm grateful doesn't happen nowadays. But Jane, in 1916, had to apply to be renaturalized, So she had to become an Australian citizen all over again. And it was quite thankful that the Milton community rallied around her. They helped her to get character references and... Um, they searched her entire house and helped her to find letters from Arthur, which Jane had gathered. And those letters detailed his injuries and his service in the Australian Army. They submitted that to the Australian government, who then said, OK, Jane's now a Australian citizen again. But, I mean, you can imagine the effects on Jane's mental health and just her whole life. As soon as she found out that she was no longer an Australian citizen and, like, had been told that she was now German because of her husband and her marriage, I mean, that would have been really hard on her. And I could imagine her just crying to her mum, being like, hey, what do I do? Help. And, I mean, she was thankful that she was able to go through the process of becoming an Australian citizen again. So after getting her citizenship back. Then Jane continued to live in Milton. Arthur returned from the war in January 1919 to a very happy mum and to a very relieved family. 
Jane was there to welcome him home. She died on the 2nd of November 1936 in Milton and both Jane and Carl are buried in, buried in the Sandridge Cemetery. They are one row in front of Jane's parents, Emma and John Fisher Cambridge. So that pretty much wraps up Jane. So we can see her experiences, which then makes you think, how did the rest of Australia, how did they handle the whole situation? Because you can imagine other um, people from nationalities, Italians, Germans, Japanese, who had been who had already moved over here before the war and had families who had been born here, like multiple generations, um, who had been born here. And then the war happened and they all got rounded up. I read a story when I was younger um, which actually spoke about um, a Japanese family who got rounded up and the main character watching as this happened and being like, what's going to happen to them? Like, why is this happening? And, I mean... I've done more research on it and they were all taken off to um, different camps. Like there's the Q station, so quarantine station in Sydney, where a lot of them were taken and it's isolating. It's it's scary to think like these families just being totally uprooted and not knowing what's going to happen to them. They actually had to provide character references and gather a lot of support to be like, hey, they are loyal to Australia, they're not loyal to their nationality country in order to be able to return to their homes. It's a difficult subject. Anyway, that pretty much wraps up this week's Blast from the Past. Want to find out what's going on in the community? With a focus on community groups and local initiatives happening around town, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on. Let's find out who's in our local hot seat this week. Hi, in our community interview today, we have Georgia, the director from The Entertainers. How are you today? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on board. I'm really excited. That's good. So what is The Entertainers and how did it come about? So The Entertainers is a local group. It started in 1988, so 35 years ago. It is a group of local performers, singers, dancers, actors, circus performers, um, and we put on a cabaret-style show every year and all of the funds raised from the shows, there's usually seven of them, um, go back to local charity groups or organisations. So... Over the last, yeah, 35 years, there's been about 32 shows because of COVID um, and we've raised over $1 million that has gone back into our community. So, yeah, it's a big, fun group of people who are creative and perform together. You had your biggest year ever this year. How many people went to shows this year and, like, what was the line like? So... This year was massive. Um, we always hope to sell more tickets every year and we always hope to raise more money. So there was about 1,700 people in the audience this year. There was actually probably more because we sold so many last-minute tickets, which was amazing. Um, so 
we raised a huge amount of money and the civic centre where we put it on was absolutely chockers and full. So I think being in a show and um, I direct the show, so you kind of, we rehearse for about six months or more during the year and we put in so much effort and so much planning and there's costumes and lights and everything. And to actually have that many audience members there, it makes it all worthwhile and it really pays off. And every year people come along and say, wow, that was the best one ever. Oh, wow, I loved this or I love that. But um, I think, yeah, the numbers this year really kind of tell a story. And so, yeah, we were able to give away a huge amounts um, and have lots of smiling, happy, dancing, loud audience members. Jamaica was there, Harley was there. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was, it was really great. Yeah. Um, I did notice that there was like a lot of people because I was ushering for most of the shows, if not all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, they like added more tables and more chairs just to fit everyone. Um, so how much goes into like costuming and props each year for the shows? So we have a really big behind-the-scenes committee. So we have an executive committee that runs kind of a lot of the planning and the money side of things and the serious stuff that I don't love. <laughs> and there is also a show committee um, that's in charge of choosing songs and designing sets and all of the costumes. Um, and so every section of the show has almost like a little subcommittee that takes on different roles um, and so Harley's mum, for example, is um, our vocal kind of director. So she does, she pre-records all of the harmonies. She teaches everyone all of the songs at every rehearsal. Um, and then the same thing happens for costumes and the same thing happens for lights and the same thing happens for sets and props. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really big team effort. So massive amount of work, but um, we all pitch in and help each other. So, yeah. All right. So how much was raised for the community this year? Um, so like we said, it was a big year for ticket sales and for money raised. So we raise more than we give away. So we gave away $45,000, um, to, I think it was 27 charity groups or organizations this year. We also keep some money aside. And at the high school, we have a Patty Yates scholarship every year that I think it's $5,000 every year that goes to students to help support them in performing arts endeavours of some kind. Um, and so that clocks over every year. So that's added onto the 45,000. And then we also, um, try and put some money into music gear and microphones and things like that, that we actually do help other people use and lend out and things like that. And so in total, we, I suppose we probably gave away or were able to donate in some way, probably close to 60,000. Um, but we were able to give 45 directly, um, to charity groups, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. How do people get involved with the entertainers? All right. So we love it. At the end of every show, there's always a million people that come up to us asking how to get involved. And um, one of my favourite things about the entertainers is people that you don't always expect coming on board, like um, whether it's performing or helping out. So if you're interested in performing in the show, um, singing, dancing, acting, circus, um, in that way, we usually hold auditions for the shows just because we can only take on so many cast members because 
there's only so much space backstage and that's literally what it basically comes down to is costumes and change rooms. Um, so we have auditions and that's all posted through our Facebook page, which is the Milton Ulladulla Entertainers Inc. I-N-C dot. Um, it's our Facebook page. And so that's updated with regular information about auditions and information. If performing's not your thing, don't worry. We have plenty of jobs for you, whether it's makeup and hair, um, prop making, backstage. We have the amazing Kath Somerville, who is our backstage guru and she would always love a helping hand. Um, We need help building the stage. We need help making props, doing lots of little jobs. There is honestly a way for everyone to get involved if you're interested. And what we love in particular at the moment is the next generation coming through. So high school kids, um, there is a bit of an age limit um, just to do with insurance and safety and, you know, themes and content that can happen in the shows. It's not ridiculous R-rated or anything, but just to um, cover us. So we usually say, I think you're 10 or um, 15 or 16. I, I can't remember exactly, but we um, we love the young people coming through and getting involved and watching those generations move up um, and then go off to see the world and then come back. Um, so yeah, check out our Facebook page or um, if you see anyone in the show, Anywhere downtown, they might be your teacher, your accountant, your builder. Make sure you ask them and they will give you any information that you need. But we'd love to have you on board. I only moved down here in 2021. So, I mean, I did not go to school here. So getting that information is definitely going to be helping out. And, I mean, I think it would be a great way for new people to meet others and get used to the area and settle down here. Um, So how, I think you've already answered this, but how can people help out? So what you were saying just then is is really valid, I think. In a community like this, sometimes it is really tricky to crack into the social scene, especially if you didn't go to school here or if you go to school outside of the area, like Jamaica does, or at home. (laughs) Um, And so... um, Getting involved with things like entertainers where it's quite inclusive, Um, there's different people from all walks of life, there's people of all ages, there's people interested in lots of different things and there's no judgment and it's all about fun. And I would say it's the same with like the Milton Follies or anything creative that I've ever been involved with. Um, And all of those local groups are keen to have people involved in helping out with the things, like I said before, backstage, on stage, side stage, um, even just coming along to rehearsals and and being supportive if you're nervous. Um, We love to have people come along, take photos, um, photographers, videography. Um, I'd love to have you guys along to a rehearsal and do some interviews and things like that or um, we're trying to get more like media in the show, like videos or sound effects and things like that. So if that's something you're interested in, there's a million ways for you to, to be involved. So hit us up and come on board to the family. How can people spread the word? All right. So it's a bit different now than the old days. It used to be all newspaper based and we'd have amazing newspaper articles and posters up in windows. But now our main port of call for our um, promotion goes through social media. So that um, Milton Alladella Entertainers Inc. page where we put up, you know, photos from shows, um, posts about auditions, posts about needing sponsors or um things like that, they're always going to go through that page um, on social media. But mainly it's just getting people along to the shows because 
you either have kind of it's a 50-50 down here in Ulladulla. There's either you're a person that has been to entertainers every year for the past 20 years and you've never missed one and you absolutely love it and it's the best thing in the world or you're someone that goes, oh, I don't think that's for me. I've never been and I don't really want to try. Um, but we're finding as time's going on, especially after COVID, that more people are kind of going, oh, we'll come along, we'll give it a try. And then they're saying, oh, my goodness, like where were we all these years? Like it's just a big fun night. Um, and so I think the best thing you can do is when it is showtime, which is usually May, getting people to come along, coming along and watching a show, um, bringing a bunch of friends or just getting involved and saying, hey, how can I help out Um that would be absolutely incredible, just having, yeah, more faces, new faces in the audience um, and supporting us. So, yeah. All right. So thanks for coming on, Georgia, and talking about the entertainers. No um, worries. Great. And Harley's going to be in it next year. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Harley. Sounds like your... Jamaica is. She might be getting, giving your mum some ideas oh, yeah. about getting you involved. Oh, man. Oh, He's shaking poor his head. Harley. <laughs> So that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to our show. Shoalhaven Youth Local is a show dedicated to sharing local info about the Shoalhaven. From a youth perspective. If you want any information from the show, you can find it in our show notes at our podcast, Shoalhaven Youth Local. And don't forget to subscribe and share the show with all your favourite locals. Shoalhaven Youth Local is made possible with funding from the New South Wales Office of Communities and Justice. Catch you next time!